I have been, this is the third week of a series I've been doing on pandemic Christianity and picking out various elements and things as it relates to the pandemic. And I, I wanted to title this one Vaccinated, but I wasn't sure that was the best idea. And there's all this talk about the vaccine and it's going to protect you, but we don't really need a vaccine to protect us. We have Jesus Christ that's on our side. It's going to take care of every battle that we face. Amen. So I'm going to read one passage of scripture and then we're going to move around quite a bit today in the biblical text, but I will come back to our text uh, before we're done. Isaiah 54, 17 New American Standard. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Fred Hammond did a song a few years back, probably 15 or more at this point, called No Weapon Formed Against Me Shall Prosper. And you heard this at the beginning course of what we just sang is the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper we have that promise and that assurance that God is with us so I'm going to preach for just a little bit today no weapon formed against us will prosper no weapon formed against us will prosper let's pray Lord thank you for your word thank you for your spirit I pray Lord that you be with us today let your word minister the hearts and lives let us be changed and transformed by your great power we thank you, Jesus, and we give you praise. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, and maybe it's, it's most guys, and I don't want to stereotype, but, but if I'm reading books, I like to read books that have war and espionage and various things that, that relate to action and movies on, on war. And, and one of my favorite time periods is the Civil War. For a variety of reasons, it was probably the worst time in American history, but it's one of my favorites to look at and to analyze and to see. And maybe it's because I like Westerns as well, and so you kind of get that combination of both of those kinds of things that culminate in the Civil War. But, but war is never good. War is almost always should be avoided, but unfortunately, that is not the case, and and throughout human history, war has been something that people have done to, to solve sometimes simple problems. They will just go to war, or they want more territory, or they want to control whatever it happens to be. And so war has been the answer oftentimes. But regardless of what you think about the physical battles and wars and things that go on around us, and there's all kinds of theories on, and just war theories and whether it's ever okay to go to war if you're a Christian or whether it's not okay to go to war as a Christian or whatever that may, may look like for you. And there are people that debate whether you should be a pacifist and never do any kind of violence and never uh, raise your hand even if somebody's attacking you. There's all kinds of different theories and different rationales and verses that people use for all of that. But regardless of all of that, what is true is that we are in a spiritual war. We are in a spiritual battle. This is not something that has just taken place. This is not something new. This is not something that you, you first hear about even when you're 
an adult, I remember Sunday school songs talking about us being soldiers in God's army. This particular song, I may never march in the infantry, man. You get the, you get the motions down. Anybody remember these songs? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry. Sorry about that, cavalry. Got to get it. Got to. Cavalry is where Jesus was. Cavalry is where, where you're riding on horseback. I may never shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy. But I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir. And so, if you're raised in Sunday school, you're raised hearing about this spiritual battle, this spiritual war, in essence, and that you are part of the army of God and you are fighting the enemy. But for most people, it's just a song. It's just a kid song. It's like, yeah, I'm in the army of the Lord, but I ain't ever going to battle for anything, spiritual or otherwise. And it just becomes something we do. And we even have adult songs that we we sing. Uh, And this was popular probably 30 years ago. I'm a soldier in God's army. And because you've heard enough of me singing, I'm not even going to attempt to sing it. But we sing about it, but we seldom actually take it seriously where we actually look at what's going on around us and how it will impact us. So the things that I want to address to you today is this, what do we need to know about this war that we are in? How do we fight this war? What are our weapons? What does it mean that we're actually in a war? How many of you actually believe we're in a, a spiritual battle? We are in a spiritual battle. And that's the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that we are in a spiritual war. When I wrote this a few days ago, this particular line, I wrote that it is a spiritual battle older than time. And of course, that made me think of Beauty and the Beast. Song as old as time, or whatever it is, story as old as time, whatever, I didn't even know the song, man. But I thought about Beauty and the Beast. And then I walked around the house singing it. And aren't you glad you weren't there? But it is a a spiritual battle that is older than time. That before time began, there was a spiritual battle taking place. And the Bible says that Satan, who was second in command, if you were, he was the first of the angels. And by second in command, I don't really mean that he was in charge. I guess maybe he was just the first of the angels. So there was nothing between him and God. There was no other angels, no other beings between him and God. And he decides that, he didn't say, I want to be better than God, but he said, I will be like the Most High. I want to be like him. I want to be equal to him. I want to be, Satan, who was a created being, decided he wanted to be equal with the Creator. And from that point till now, there has been a spiritual battle taking place as God kicks him out of heaven and one-third of the angels that are wanting to accompany him to be like the Most High. They're kicked out of heaven, and that has brought about this spiritual battle. But it's before time began. It's before God created all of this. That Satan began this battle with God. And that battle that was with God, he now is still using in that battle with God, but he's using us in that process. So we're in this spiritual battle. We are part of this spiritual battle. But unfortunately, most of the time what we do is we don't look at the spiritual aspect of this. We look at the physical aspect of this and we act like we're battling against people. Ephesians tells us in verse 10, 11, and 12, Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle is spiritual. It is not against flesh and blood. So when somebody comes against you and they, they're causing you trouble and they're causing you problems, your battle is not really with them. In our world, we have chaos and we just had an election in November. And of course, depending on where you fall on that, you may have said, no, we didn't really have an election. We had, we had an office that was stolen or whatever it happens to be. But the reality is our battle is not with those people. Our battle is not with people on the other side of the aisle. Our battle is not with people that disagree about our politics. Our battle is against the spiritual wickedness in high places. It is a spiritual battle. It is not a physical battle. And when we understand that this battle is not about them, but it's about the enemies, the darkness that is around us, then... We can actually reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord. That God is fighting for us. The war that we are in, we are not fighting by ourselves, but God is fighting for us. And when we have God on our side, guess what? We're going to win. I'm jumping ahead to my last point, but when God is fighting for us, we're not by ourselves. It's not just this little group, it's not just apostolics, but God is fighting for us. God is with us in this battle. It is a spiritual war, it is not physical. The reality is that our battle is not political, it's not social, but our battle is the eternal destiny of those around us. Maybe even it's our eternal destiny. Because that's what's at stake here is, am I going to go to heaven or am I going to end up in hell? And the enemy of our soul will do everything that he can to keep us out of heaven. And in fact, the enemy of our soul will do everything he can to keep us from taking other people to heaven with us. There is nothing we can take to heaven except for those we reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Except for the disciples that we make. That's the only thing we can take with us. That is our battle. It is our soul. And it is the souls of those we come in contact with. Not only are we in this battle, but we have weapons that we are to use in this process. First, and maybe... Most importantly, you need to understand that our weapons are not fleshly. If our battle is spiritual and our battle is not physical, then our weapons are not physical. They are not fleshly, but they are spiritual. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6, he said, I now, I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm absent. What he says is, and when I'm there in person, I'm not really as bold and say everything I need to. But when I'm gone, like right now, I'm going to write down everything you need to know. He said, I'm meek when I am with you, but when I'm, I'm bold, when I'm absent from you. He said, I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some 
who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. He's setting that up. He says, I don't want to have to be like we're walking according to the flesh. I don't want to have to be bold when I'm there and get in your face and do all those things. We're not walking in the flesh, he says. He says, for though we walk in this body, we do not war according to the flesh. Our warfare is not fleshly. For the weapons, he says, of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of forces or of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your disobedience is complete. But the point of all of that is this. Our weapons are not fleshly. The King James says carnal, and the word carnal just means fleshly or human. Our weapons are not human. Our weapons are supernatural. That the things that we use in this battle, it's not about how strong we are or how witty we are or how smart we are. None of that matters in this battle. What matters is do we have the divine weapons that are able to bring every thought into captivity, to bring down strongholds, as King James says. That's what's important. And and the most important weapon I would tell you is this. It is prayer. We fight, as people have said, we fight on our knees. I don't know about you, but my and maybe not, hopefully not, but my tendency when I get into any kind of conflict, my first reaction is not to pray. My first reaction is to retaliate. Anybody like that? Just me? Maybe I'm the most carnal one in here, I don't know. I hope not. But that's my reaction. Somebody says something to me, to me, well, I can I can one up you. I had I had a situation some one time when somebody accused me of doing something that I di- I didn't do. And it would have been really dumb of me to do it and and I try to not do dumb things and so I had not done what I was accused of. But I was ready to call a meeting of this person that was quite a ways up the chain from me to confront them with what they were saying that I had said. But what I should have done was take it to the Lord in prayer. My battle really wasn't with them. And so confronting them is not going to fix the problem. I should have fought the battle on my knees in prayer. That's the way that we do things. That's the way that we should do things. And, and, I, and I referenced this not too long ago, but part of our problem is that the reason we don't get things from God and we carry all these weights and these burdens is because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. But we are trying to take care of it on our own instead of understanding that the battle belongs to the Lord and our weapons are prayer and our weapons are also praise. That when we praise God in the middle of difficulty, God works on our behalf. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. He builds a throne where people are praising Him. So if you want God's presence in your situation, if you want God's presence in whatever you're going through, all you have to do is praise Him. 
And I won't get into all the distinctions between prayer and praise, but both of those are weapons that we, sh- we should use where prayer is saying, God, this is what I need, and praise is thanking God for doing it and all of the things that go with that. But when we turn to Him, guess what? He fights our battles for us. That God takes care of the problem for us. Zechariah records that we are to walk and to fight in the power of the Spirit. He said it this way, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. That we fight in the power of the Spirit of God. Which means we actually have to walk in the Spirit of God. We have to be filled with the Spirit of God in order for God to be at work in us. And when we try to do things in our power and our might, we're going to mess it up. But when we turn to Him and let God take care of it, He always does a better job. I'll just throw this in here. You know, part of the reason that, I'll just say it of me, that I don't pray in some of these situations is that Somewhere back in here, I figure I can handle this. I'll ask God to help when I need it. But ah, I got this one, Lord. You can sit this one out. You just let me take care of this. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by my intellect. It's not by how good I can do certain things. But it's always by His Spirit. That's when... The battle is going to be won is when we are using his weapons. And the reality is that we can impact Satan's kingdoms when we do things God's way. That we can see Satan's kingdom being impacted and affected by what we do. Luke 10 records this. Jesus sends out the 70 Sends them out two by two. They, they go out. They come back and report to Jesus what has been taking place. And this is what they said. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. This is why they're out casting out devils and they're bringing healing and they're doing miracles. They're doing all of these things. They come back and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, he said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now you can look at this all kinds of ways and, and say, well, this Satan finally fell from heaven. Or he's talking about he saw Satan when he fell from heaven back before time began. What I think that he's really saying, and if you look at the Greek grammar, this makes sense. While they're out casting out devils, Satan is falling like lightning. That they're impacting his kingdom, they're tearing down his kingdom. While they're out healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons, that Satan's kingdom is being impacted and effective. And he said, I was watching this happen. You don't have to tell me, I already know what was going on. I was watching him fall like lightning from heaven. It's that when you and I are walking in the power of the Spirit and when we're praying for the sick and when we're sharing the gospel, we are impacting Satan's kingdom. We are tearing it down. We're taking people out of his side and bringing them over to the Lord's side. We're getting somebody else in the Lord's army. 
as it were. He said, Behold, I give, have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Don't rejoice that I've given you this power. Use this power. Tear down kingdom but that's not why you should rejoice you should rejoice because you're saved and your name is written in heaven it's not a point of pride it's just a matter of hey my name's in heaven so therefore i have this power to go out and fight against the enemy in the power of the spirit not in my intellect not in my wisdom not in my abilities but in the power of the spirit i have that when i pray and i have that when i praise then i have this power of the spirit that is continually residing in me. Our weapons are prayer and praise. Our weapons are evangelism. Paul said this in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You don't just pray somebody from following their own desires or Satan's desires. You don't just pray them into the kingdom. You evangelize them into the kingdom. If it was just pray that they would, people would be saved, man, everybody would be saved. I mean, oh, Lord, save so-and-so. Save our city. Save our world. We pray that all the time. And we should pray, but we should more pray, Lord, help me to go out and be a witness. Help me to be bold in my faith. Help me to go out and tell somebody about you because people only get saved and we only take people from the enemy when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Evangelism is converting an enemy combatant to the side of Jesus Christ. By sharing the gospel, our weapons are the name of Jesus. I referenced this early. There is salvation in no other. It is only in the name of Jesus. Healing is only in the name of Jesus. I, this is not original to me. A friend of mine told me about this. And, and as, as you know, we baptize in the biblical way by immersion in the name of Jesus. It is the pattern of the Bible. It is the pattern of the book of Acts. It is what the apostles did. It's the only way they did it. There is no other way. But this friend of mine, in fact, Caleb's dad, he was telling me, he was talking to a man from the Sudan and this man, he was a preacher, and they baptized people in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when they would baptize them, they would call on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he looked at the man, and he said, you guys cast out demons in the Sudan. The guy was like, yeah, yeah we cast, man, a lot of demons were cast out in the Sudan. He said, you, you cast them out in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And the man was like, well, no, we don't cast them out in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit. There's no authority in that name. There's only authority in the name of, and he said it in the name of Jesus. And then he's like, wait a minute. That's how we should baptize because the authority is in the name of Jesus. The power is in the name of Jesus. That when we call on the name of Jesus, that's when he is at work. And we should fight our battles in the name of Jesus. Not just calling on his name, but doing what he says to do. 
Not just using it as a magic little word that we say, but really be in relationship with Him and invite Him into our situation and in His authority and in His power doing His work. The Spirit is one of our weapons. The Word of God is one of our weapons. I heard something yesterday, and I should have known this. But guy was talking about a passage of scripture actually Ephesians 6 I read a portion of that and at the end of of Paul listing out the armor of God he says and this having the sword of the spirit which is the word of God well there, there are multiple Greek words behind our English word word Lagos is what you see in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And typically speaking, when we say the Word of God and we're talking about the Bible as the written Word of God, it is Lagos that's being referred to. But this guy said that in Ephesians, it's not Lagos. It's not this written Word, but it's Rhema, which is a spoken Word. That our sword of the Spirit isn't just this written word. It's not just because it's words on a page, but it's when we invoke that and when we speak that into our situations. It's what Jesus did when he's tempted in the wilderness. Satan comes to him in the wilderness and he tempts him. And he says, it is written. And he quoted Deuteronomy in three different places. He quoted the word of God. He spoke it. It wasn't just words on a page, but he actually invoked that by speaking the word of God. And that when we bring the Word of God into our situations, it is a weapon that will break down strongholds. Hebrews says this, It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Not just because it's written on a page, but because we are speaking God's Word into our situation. got to hurry. Lastly, when it comes to this battle that we're in, this war that we, in, we are in, we will be victorious. The text I read, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It doesn't mean that we won't have spiritual battles. We're in a spiritual battle. It doesn't mean when it says no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. It doesn't mean that we will not face tribulation. Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. We're going to have problems. We're going to have difficulty. It doesn't mean that we won't suffer loss or damage. It's not really a battle or a war if there's no enemy fighting. It's not a battle or or a war if the enemy has no weapons. He has weapons. 
He will come against us. We will have difficulty. But what He's ultimately trying to accomplish will not come to fruition. Ultimately, what He's trying to accomplish when He fights us is that we will not be in heaven for eternity with Jesus Christ. That's what He's trying to do. That's what He's trying to to hinder us, is to hinder our faith so that we will not trust in Jesus Christ any longer. And we have the assurance and the promise of Scripture that no weapon that He brings us is going to prosper. It's going to take us away from Jesus Christ. John 10, 27-30 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then he ends that with, I and my Father are one. And I don't have time to go into the theology of that. But ultimately what he's saying is we are in his hand. And nobody can take us out. That the devil cannot take away our salvation. That the devil cannot take us out of the hand of Jesus Christ. That the weapons that the enemy tries to use against us, it will not prosper it will not work where he can take us out of his hand that doesn't mean we can't get out of his hand that doesn't mean we can't walk away i use this all the time especially in light of the fact that we have these trains go by but the but the truth is the bible is not get on the train that's headed to heaven and you can never get off if you want to you can get off of that train that's bound for glory But nobody can take you off. If you decide you don't want to follow Jesus, you can make that decision. But the devil can't take you off. The devil cannot get you out of the hand of the enemy. As the praise team will come, it is also true that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Paul wrote in Romans 8, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And he's quoting from the Old Testament there. But he says, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the end, what this means is that we will win the battle. That we will make it to heaven. All we have to do is stay in the battle and fight with His weapons. All we have to do is remain faithful. All we have to do is keep our faith in Jesus Christ. Would you stand together and would you give the Lord a hand clap for His goodness that He is going to take us all the way to heaven. That He which has begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what are we to do? We're in a battle. And and I...
obviously I, I have political beliefs. And for a variety of reasons, it is not wise to share them in a pulpit. But you heard in this last election, people saying it's a battle for the soul of our nation. The reality is, is that we have been in a battle for the soul of this nation since its inception. It's not about policy and it's not about political positions. You cannot legislate morality. You cannot legislate people following and serving Jesus Christ. It's not possible. But what we can do is reach one person at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, the morality that we seek will be lived out in our land. But it's only through reaching the souls of the people of our nation. That's where the battle is. It's not fought in the Capitol. It's not fought in the White House. It's not fought in the governor's mansions or the state legislatures. It is a spiritual battle that is fought by winning one person at a time to Jesus Christ, making them fully devoted, fully developing fully deployed disciples of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? I've narrowed it down just to three things. Pray consistently. Trust God always. And evangelize the lost intentionally. If we do that, that's what we're called to do. That's how we fight. That's how we're in the middle of this battle that we're facing. Is praying consistently. Trusting Him always. And evangelizing the lost intentionally. Because our crowd's a little down today and I think it would be safe. As they get ready to sing, I'm going to invite you to come around the front. Remain socially distanced. Put your mask on all of that, but would you just come as a sign of commitment that that you're going to continue to engage in this battle on your knees and by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody that you can. Would you do that as they take us into his presence? Thank you. God, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to follow you, Jesus. Victory. 
We thank you for it, Lord, and we give you praise. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, for your blessings, for your favor, for your work in us. We magnify you. God bless you. Let's have a great week. We'll see you back here Thursday, Lord willing. If not, we'll see you on Sunday. Be blessed.